1956, at a professional chess tournament in New York, there was a game played that is now known in the chess world as the game of the century. Now, it wasn't the championship game of the tournament. In fact, it wasn't even played by the person who won that tournament. No, in this game, there was a master chess player named Donald Byrne, and he was going up against 13-year-old Bobby Fischer. When Bobby came in the room that day, he realized he was in a room full of players known all over the world. But he was not a well-known name until this game. Now, the game began simply enough until after a number of moves, Bobby made what seemed to be a critical mistake when he sacrificed his queen, a valuable piece on the board. But while those watching were certain that this was a mistake, later on they began to realize that it was actually a calculated move that little Bobby had made. And that as a result of it, his opponent was stuck playing more defense than offense. And in the end, little Bobby Fisher won a quick and decisive victory over his opponent. And it all began when he sacrificed his queen. Afterwards, one article described the game as a stunning masterpiece of combination play performed by a boy of 13 against a formidable opponent, saying that the game matched the finest on record in the history of chess prodigies. But I like that story because while people thought that Bobby made this big mistake in the game, Bobby knew what he was doing the whole time. But it wasn't until the end of the game that everyone else understood, too. When they finally did, they didn't see it as a mistake. They saw it as a masterpiece. And this reminds me of those times in our lives as Christians when we face situations that are out of our control. Or when it seems that our prayers are not being answered in the timing or the way that we think that they should be. And then we start to think that, that God is treating us unfairly. Or maybe he's ignoring us. Or maybe, just maybe, he's made a mistake. It's in those times that we often forget the truth that God's plans are always masterpieces, not mistakes. Now, sometimes we don't see the masterpiece until the end. Sometimes we don't see it clearly at all. But as we turn to John chapter 11 this morning, we will find some important truths to remember in those times, believers, so that we wouldn't fall into the trap of thinking that God has abandoned us or that he has made a mistake. So that's where we're going to be this morning is John chapter 11. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to take it out and turn there. There's going to be a number of things I'm going to ask you to write down or mark in your Bible this morning as we move through the story together. John chapter 11 beginning in verse 1. It says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Right, let's pause right here. 
Lazarus was sick. So his sisters did what many of us do when a loved one is sick. They told Jesus. That's when we read something interesting. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Doesn't that, doesn't that almost sound like a contradiction to us? That, that Jesus loved them, but he didn't go to them? That he cared for Lazarus, but that he didn't cure him? And have you ever brought something to Jesus in your life that feels so dire, that feels so important, maybe even life-threatening, and then nothing happens? You wait for an answer, and time just keeps going by. It makes me wonder if Martha and Mary were waiting by the window to see if Jesus would come back with a messenger, but he didn't. He waited where he was two more days. And if we didn't know the end to this story, for those of us who do know the end of the story, we might think that this doesn't line up. That the love of Jesus doesn't line up with the actions of Jesus here. And truthfully, it's only when the story ends that we will find that what may seem like a contradiction was actually confirmation. That Jesus stayed where he was because he loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Because he loved them, he was going to do something different than they anticipated. He's going to do something greater than they anticipated. So we waited. Sometimes, sometimes our plans fall through, or situation seems to spiral out of our control, or our prayers go unanswered, and we become confused. And that can cause us to forget that God has a plan. So I'm going to ask you to remember a few things throughout the story this morning, and here's the first one. Remember that Jesus said this whole thing was going to bring God glory. Remember that. Write it down, underline it in your Bible. He said this would bring God glory. Let's look at verse 7. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for, though, excuse me, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. You talk about confused. The disciples were confused. Jesus tells them it's time to go to Judea. That's when the disciples decided they should enlighten Jesus. He said, uh, Lord, they just tried to kill you there. And when Jesus said this was about Lazarus, they said, well, it'll be good for him. Good for him to sleep. It's good for his health. Remember, Jesus is the Son of God. He knows all things. He powerfully healed people. They witnessed that. Isn't it a little strange for this group to be giving medical advice to Jesus? 
But have we ever been in a situation where we knew God was trying to move us to go somewhere or to do something, but it was confusing to us, so we started explaining the logistics of it to God? We said, well, God, this isn't going to work because of X, Y, or Z. Isn't it a little strange when we try and advise God as though he does not know all things? But the disciples are a good example of something else we often do when we are confused about God's plan, and that's that they started to doubt him. The disciples didn't understand Jesus' plan. In fact, they only knew a small piece of it. He said, let's go back to Judea. To them, that was dangerous. That didn't make sense, and it wasn't the right idea. And sometimes we feel that way about what God is doing or what he isn't doing in our lives. It doesn't make sense, so we're filled with doubts. Then we start to think, God has made a mistake. And in all their doubts, Jesus revealed one of the purposes of his plan and his timing is that by waiting, he was going to give them an opportunity to grow in their faith. The disciples, they had seen Jesus heal countless people. They'd seen him cast out demons. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him feed thousands of people with nothing but scraps. But they still needed to grow in their faith. So instead of healing Lazarus like he had done with so many others, Jesus was going to do something different. But that's the next thing I want us to remember as we move forward. Jesus was going to use this to strengthen their faith. He was going to use this to strengthen their faith. Let's remember that. Now let's look at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Lord, Lord, if you had been here, you can practically, you can practically hear the disappointment in Martha's voice. And she clearly believed Jesus has the power to heal, but in her grief and disappointment, you can almost hear that follow-up question, so why didn't you? Why didn't you do that, Jesus? And how many times have we asked God that in our dire situations, in those difficult moments? How many times have we said in those times of disappointment, God, if only you had done this, so why didn't you? Verse 23. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. You see, Martha understood and believed that Lazarus was going to be raised to an imperishable body at the end of human history, which is true. But Jesus was trying to get her to understand an even greater truth right now. 
that Jesus is the very source of life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus doesn't just have power over sickness, he has power over death. And right now, in her disappointment, in her dismay, in her grief, Martha didn't need to understand the whole plan of Jesus, she just needed to believe and trust in who he is. And there are so many times, believers, in our lives where we are confused and disappointed about our circumstances. We don't understand what the Lord is doing. And we convince ourselves that if we just knew the answers why these things were happening, that we, we would be content. Instead, we need to remember who it is that we serve. That we serve the one who is the resurrection and the life. In our heartache, we will rarely find rest in the answers to our questions, but we will find rest in the one who is the resurrection and the life. We need to remember and trust in who he is, even when we're confused and disappointed, like Martha was. Verse 28 says, After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. She said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Finally, Mary comes and she falls at the feet of Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here. You might have noticed that that is the same thing her sister Martha had said. Word for word. Believers, I think it's worth noting that many times in our pain, we start to think that we are very alone. We start to buy into the idea that no one, no one will ever understand what I am going through. And I think it's worth noting that the truth is many others have gone through similar deep hurts. And I don't say that to minimize anyone's pain, but to instead encourage all of us that other believers have come before with similar heartbreak, similar questions, and found comfort at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we need to go when things seem to fall apart. That's where Mary threw herself as she broke down and wept. There's no theological discussion like her sister, just heartbreak. Mary was discouraged, but she went to the best place that she could in her confusion, and in her discouragement, she fell at the feet of the Lord. And in verse 34, Jesus continues, he says, Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who... Open the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Here at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept. 
It's a short verse, but I don't want us to lose sight of it. In fact, that's the next thing I want us to remember, to write down, to underline, is that Jesus wept. And the people said, couldn't, couldn't he have healed Lazarus? And we know, of course, the answer is yes. Yes, he could have done that. Jesus, Jesus could have healed Lazarus from a distance four days earlier. He had healed people miles away in the past. But he didn't do that this time. Jesus could have come to Lazarus long before the sickness brought death, but it wasn't the plan of God. This was not a matter of what Jesus could have done, but it was about what he was going to do through all of this. And we'll see next week that there is much evidence there are people there who didn't have faith in Jesus. So it's not a surprise they asked this question. Mary and Martha did have faith. That's why even in their discouragement, even in the disappointment, they could still say, we know that you could have healed him. And believers, the same one, the same one who healed people from a distance, the same one who healed the lame and the leper, who walked on the water, who calmed the sea, the same one who restored sight to the blind, is the same one who can work powerfully in our lives too. But it's hard when it seems like he isn't doing that. It's hard when instead of his power, all we can feel is what seems like his silence. And I'm sure many of us have felt these things before. This is where Mary and Martha, even the disciples, found themselves right now. They were in the middle of God's plan. They just didn't know it or understand it yet. So they were filled with doubt, filled with disappointment and discouragement. They may have even thought that Jesus made a mistake. And so it's here in the story, in the depth of all the pain, as the people were on the verge of seeing God's greatness, it's right here that we are going to end this morning. Which I know may seem strange or abrupt, but the truth is sometimes that's where we find ourselves in life. Sometimes we find ourselves in life when a quick resolution doesn't come. When God's answer to our prayer seems far off. The question is, what do we do in those situations? Believers, my encouragement for all of us, our takeaway this morning is that we would remember that even in those situations, that even when we don't see God's masterpiece, we need to trust that he has a perfect plan. Even when we don't see God's masterpiece, we need to trust that he has a perfect plan. Mary, Martha, the disciples, they didn't see the masterpiece of his plan until the end, but they still needed to trust his masterful planning at the beginning was something they were going to learn. In the same way, our struggle isn't always seeing God's purpose in the end. Our struggle is trusting his plan in the midst of that confusion. In those times, we can find comfort in the fact that he has a purpose. And if we don't see any other purpose, let's remember the first thing we saw this morning, that God is working for his glory. And believers, God will be glorified in our current situation if we continue to follow him. And when we start to face doubts about whether he loves us, or if he's really good, or whether or not he even has a plan at all. We need to remember the second thing, that sometimes, in fact many times, the Lord allows these difficulties to grow us in our faith, so that we could be strengthened. So even when we feel that our faith is low, or that we're at the breaking point, we should at least respond like Thomas, who is willing to at least say, well, you know what, let's go anyways, even if it means death. And in our struggles, we still ought to say, I'm going to follow Jesus anyways, no matter where he takes me even if it means I don't get the answers as the solution that I want. 
when we face disappointments, when we start to think that he's making mistakes, we need to remember who he is. He's the resurrection and the life. There's no situation outside his control or his knowledge. He has power over death. He gives life. Believers, the one who gave us eternal life and saved us from the power of hell can easily rescue us from our current situation. But maybe that's not his plan. Maybe he desires for us to go through a time of testing or a time of loss or a time of disappointment. Why? To be glorified and to grow us in our faith. And in all these things, believers, let's not, let's not start to think that he is far off. He's uninterested, unfaithful, unloving. But instead, let's remember that when the people were hurting, Jesus wept. And know that we don't serve a God who's far off and unconcerned. No, we serve a God who is deeply invested in the lives of his people. And he has a purpose for our situation. We just don't always see it. Believers, God's plans are never missteps or mistakes. They're always masterpieces. We're blessed to be a part of those masterpieces. But even if we don't see it right away, we can trust that his plans and purposes will not fail and that they are always best. So believers, remember again, even when we don't see God's masterpiece, we need to trust that he has a perfect plan. And I pray that that would bring us great joy, even in the situations that we may be facing right now. If you're joining us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, I don't know what you've been through in your life. I don't know what you're going through right now. God does. But I can say with confidence that the reason the Lord has you with us this morning is because God does want you to understand something very important. God wants you to understand that right now your sins are separating you from Him. In fact, the Bible says because of those sins, the wrong things we've done, we lie and cheat and steal lust, take God's name in vain, because of those bad things. When we stand before God, He has to judge that sin because He is holy. And His judgment is that we'll be separated forever from Him in a place called hell. But you see, God loves you. So He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, He's taking the payment, the punishment, the penalty we deserve for sin. After Jesus was buried, He powerfully rose from the dead three days later, proving that He is who He said He is. The resurrection and the life. And now he stands in heaven waiting to offer you eternal life and the forgiveness of all your sins. The Bible says whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you have never done that, please know you can do it today. No matter where you are in life, no matter where you are joining us in our service this morning, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. He'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll bring you into a relationship with him that will never end. He'll give you eternal life. Would you pray with me? If that's you, if you've never made that decision, please know that if you want to talk about it, you can come up and talk with me during our final invitation song. Find me after the service. But if you're ready right now to give your life to Jesus Christ, to receive His forgiveness and salvation, you can do it wherever you are right now. You can go to the Lord in prayer and let Him know you understand you're a sinner. That you believe He died on the cross for you and rose from the dead. And you can give him your life, and he will save your soul. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here who's never made that decision, who's never put their faith in Jesus, 
I pray that you would open their eyes to how much they need you. Not just in this life, but how much they need you when this life ends. Because without you, they will be separated forever from you in hell. Yet you've paved the way to salvation if only they will come to Jesus Christ in faith. So I pray if anyone has still not yet made that decision that they would choose to do that. For those of us who have, Father, please help us in those moments we face in life when we don't get the answer from you right away that we want. Or when things seem to spiral out of control because, Father, sometimes we start to to doubt you. We become discouraged. We become disappointed. In those moments, I pray that you would help us to remember that even if we don't see your masterpiece, you have a perfect plan. And we can trust you. That even if we don't understand your purpose, we can trust that you'll be glorified through it. That even when our faith is weak, you will grow us through the difficulties that we face. Father, be with us. I'm sure that there are some here going through difficult things. I pray that you would strengthen them this morning in the trial that they are facing. Strengthen those of us who are preparing to go into a trial and a time of testing. Teach us to be a people that will rely on you and trust you every single day. Father, we love you. But you proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us so much more and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.